This week's episode is brought to you by Fairy Godmother Travel. Contact them for all your Disney vacation needs. Send them an email at communicorweekly at fairygodmothertravel.com and tell them that we sent you. Hello, and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show and home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And you know, it may be August, but it's the beginning of haunt season, George. Oh, what? It is. Look behind you. I did. Holy cow. Oh, okay. There's nothing. All right. Actually, isn't there a wall behind you when we record? Uh, it's not a wall. There's like a doorway that leads into the family room. Oh, okay. Is. So somebody could be sneaking up behind you right oh, now, theater. Yeah. Right. Great. Theater. Okay. Well, I'm doing the podcast like this the whole rest of the show. Yeah, you're too far away from the microphone. You're gonna have to hold the microphone closer to you. I'm not moving it because I know. No, I'm doing this. All right. Well, while George is doing that, let's get into the trip report where he can be even more scared. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Aren't you excited, George? Um, what? Exactly. Uh, why do you get to sing and I don't? Because this is about scary stuff, and that oh. warrants singing? Question mark? You sure? Sure. Anyway, so it was just the, the weekend of Scare LA, which is my favorite event of the entire year. And... It's a big haunt and horror convention that they've been... This is the third year they held it here in Southern California. And it was the biggest year ever. Um, they moved it to the Pasadena Civic Auditorium. And they, they expected around 10,000 people. And, I mean, they pretty much got that much. I mean, it was packed on Saturday the first day. Um, the convention floor, you know, it more than doubled in the last two years. As did all the presentations room. And, you know, all the places where the haunts were set up and where the classrooms were. And basically, more room meant more scares, which meant more <laughs> of a chance that George was not going to show up. Yeah, our friend Colby's like, you got to come out next year to be scared. I'm like, no, I'm okay being scared right here. Yeah, actually, Colby and I and his parents actually had a good time going through some of the mazes together on Sunday. They were they were a good time. Oh, um, but, you know, we went up for the weekend, you know, hung out with Martina, uh, hashtag SupCorey. Um, Norm, Taylor Winters, Taylor Thorne, who I call the Taylors, even though it's not their last name, <laughs> the but they are the dating, Taylors. so I just call them the Taylors, and, you know, way more people, and, I mean, it was great, like, the entire show floor was amazing, they had all these really cool things in time for the Halloween season, um, they had vendors that were just selling random stuff, like, they had the most delicious cupcakes I've ever seen in my life, but it looked like pieces of shattered glass were in them, and, like, oh, brains, and, like, like, it was incredible the amount of artistry in food that was going on and all these things. Um, there was a lot of cool, like, makeup and costume demos as well. Like, they were actually putting makeup on people on the floor. So, like, Saturday morning when we walked in, we saw them putting somebody, I don't know, they were starting the makeup process, and, like, three hours later, they were done when watering the floor, and they just looked Golly. incredible. You would have hated it, but they looked completely incredible. Um... Wow. You won't do stuff in person, really. Will you do, like, virtual reality stuff? 
I don't know. How about that's for like TV, right? Well, with the Oculus Rift, so like you put it over your head and then you wear the noise canceling headphones, so it's like you're there. Like when you look to the right, you're actually looking <laughs> to the right. So like I'm trapped in inside of a scary virtual yeah, reality. Yeah, pretty much. No thanks. Pretty much. All right, but, fine. <laughs> but they, they had three really cool companies there that were showcasing this VR technology: uh, Virtual Screams, um, Nevermind, and the Seance. And again, you know, you put on the Oculus Rift and the noise canceling headphones, and it's like you're there, pretty much. Um, oh. Virtual Screams actually came to Norm's house like two weeks ago to showcase their stuff to us for one of our Horror Buzz meetings, and uh, it was amazing. And Nevermind is actually a game that you can play, so they give you a controller to play it with. So, like, you know, you have a left and right thumbstick on controllers, and yeah. The, yeah. Le the left one, you know, you turn left and right to that's where you turn. Yeah. So the controller they gave you only had one thumbstick to go backward and forward, and you actually had to physically turn left and right to turn left and right. It was, it was bizarre to do that. So this but is, this is not a game or virtual reality for Zoolander. No, no, no. He cannot okay. turn left. That okay. was the problem. Yeah. Um, but it was super cool and super scary. So oh. I liked it a lot. Ah. <laughs> oh. There were tons of awesome panels, and I know there were two panels on Saturday that were Haunted Mansion related. Um, one of them, the second one, was a live stage reading reading of a very early draft of the mm. script, and they yeah. had like effects on stage and sound effects. Um, I actually watched it online because I didn't go to it in person. It was actually really cool. Um, you know, it, it did the Bloodmere Manor story. It, it was cool to see it like come to life on stage like that. Wow. And then they also had a Hatbox Ghost panel first thing Saturday morning, hosted by the mustache himself, ah. which was also pretty neat. I watched that online as well. Um, and I know you're probably saying, why didn't you go to the Disney panels? Well, that's because <laughs> D23 Expo is this coming weekend, and I'll have more than enough Disney then. I ah. wanted to get all the scares out of the way. Good point. What Good else did they have? They had a great not, very, not scary farm panel about all their upcoming stuff. Here's a good one. You might enjoy this, George. New Maze is coming. It's called Dead of Winter, oh. and it's about the Ice Queen. Oh, okay. Does that sound familiar at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, okay. That might be a subtle dig at a certain film, I'm not sure, who knows. <laughs> um, Elvira's also coming back to Knott's for a brand new show, Elvira's Asylum. I am quite excited about that. Um, what else they had going on? Universal was there talking about um, their new mazes coming up, including they're bringing Halloween maze here, like Michael Myers Halloween, not just the holiday Halloween. Okay. Um, what else? <laughs> Queen Mary's Dark Harbor. They have a new maze called Lullaby coming. They have a new other upcharge thing called The Curse of Anubis, which is like a paintball game. So you get a paintball gun and you shoot monsters. You could do that, actually. Yeah, I, I could probably do that. Well, Although, actually, like, yeah. I would take that back because you would see the first one and you would waste all... Because they give you a certain <laughs> amount of paintballs. So you would waste all 50 paintballs on the first thing that came after you. No, I'd walk in there like Chang. That's true. Yeah, but we're talking that. about from community, right? Yes, yes, Not yes, P.F. Yes, Chang, yes. the restaurant. No, 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 no. That would okay. be good right now. That would actually, yeah. yeah. Mm. No, I remember watching this weekend, uh, a bunch of scopes showed up on, I think, Sunday. Yeah, Sunday was, we did some walkthroughs. you and the gang doing some walkthroughs, and you walked through some of the haunts, and it even scared me on the iPad. I was like, I would be seeing that happening, and I would be running the other way. Wouldn't it, so. See, I, I really just want to experience you in one of these haunts. Because like, these haunts, they had a, their own separate room. They had five of them set up. And, like, literally, there were less than two minutes to walk through a piece, if that. But all these were not, I don't want to say they're not professional, because they were professional, but they're home haunts. They're, like, pe the people oh. make these in their backyards, and they just put them on because I love doing it. Well, can't um, you get tetanus from that? Oh, well, yeah, unless you get a shot. I mean... Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they're so impressive, the things they do, and, like, 
you know, the second one we did, the Fear Station, like, I, I don't know, I was super impressed with what they, what they accomplished in the small space, and it just it was a big circle, but the rooms looked different every time you went in it, it was really, really impressive. Um, we also had the Bloody Ballroom on Saturday night, which was a big party, dance, uh, there was also a, a costume, they have live bands going, which was, like, they were super entertaining, um, Harbuzz, we actually hosted the costume contest, so that was a lot of fun. Oh, we got some okay. some good comedy bits out of that as well. Did you get to crown Miss Horror or something like that? No, we actually, strangely enough, the grand prize went to the Sanderson sisters from oh, Hocus I, Pocus. Oh, okay. They okay. looked fantastic. Wow. Um, what else was there? Okay, so I did Alone Refraction twice, which is like one of my favorite haunts of the season. Again, you would have hated it because you have to go through part of it by yourself. So it's okay, I just close my eyes. And he, just... Here's what, here's what you would have hated to begin with. So because I bought the season pass for the year for alone, because they're doing four events this year, and this was their second one. So everybody who showed up to the convention that wanted to do it, they had to go to the table and they had to sign up. But because I signed up for the year, I got an email saying, bring pink and offer like a pink offering. So I brought a pink lay because I was the only thing pink I had in the house. So she made me place it on the altar. And then the woman at the desk goes, okay, your name is on the list. Did you read your email that we sent you? And I said, uh, yeah, she goes, she's looking at me and she's like, you should probably read it again because your next set of instructions is in it. So I open up my email and I'm going through it again. And it says at the bottom of the email, breathe deep and then crawl under and through. And I'm looking around going, Am I going to have to crawl underneath the table that's set up right here to, like, the other <laughs> side? So I asked everybody to get out of my way. And I, I was, this was, like, first thing Saturday morning, so I was the first person to do this. And I crawled under the table, and I crawled through the blackout curtain on the other side, and I was in this small little room where there was someone dancing with a rainbow, in, like, behind another curtain, and they handed me a piece of paper that told me the next thing to do, and I had to crawl back out. And that would have been enough for you. You would have hated your life. <laughs> I would have gotten dirty being on the floor. Who no, it wasn't. That? It was clean. They sweeped it. It was oh, pretty okay. nice. Okay. It was okay. pretty nice. Okay. At least that's something. But yeah, alone was great. You know, it was great on Saturday, and they changed it up a little bit on Sunday as well. So we did it twice. It was really cool. But I had a great time. Um, I mean, if you guys are interested, we have a whole bunch of reports and you know panel wrap-ups and reviews on HorrorBuzz.com already. Um, we're also going to do a bunch of group trips to a bunch of the haunts this season. So I mean, we'll be announcing those soon. Um, George is going to come to at least all of them, so you guys should totally come and just pay to watch him get scared. And yeah, it was a great time. And I mean, I hate to say it, but I think I may have had a better time at this than I have at any of the Disney expos. Well, there you go. That's interesting. That's, That's I know. You've got me. You've got me signed up to experience um, Scarrowins. Yes, you have no so, choice. You have to go to that. Yeah, so that that will be. I don't know how we're going to arrange that one, but that will probably be after Dragon Con. So yes, yes, you have be. to like work me up to it. Uh, I'll somehow. give you tips on how to not scare yourself. Okay, or well, and... why not scare myself? I want other people scaring me. Oh, true. Okay, maybe I need to think of better tips for you then. <laughs> yes. Maybe I didn't think this one through. Anyway, <laughs> Scare was awesome. You guys should totally go next year in Southern California, and I will force George to go at some point in time. Sure. Well, we would love to hear what your favorite haunt of the season is. And Jeff listens to the voicemails before I do, so he will keep the scary ones away from me. Or at least he Or will that. I. Exactly. So, But give us a call on the Communicore Weekly GOAT line at 424-785-4628. That's 424-785-GOAT. And tell us what haunts you. He's a nerd. He's a, nerd. He's a, geek. He's a geek. But we all like to hear him speak. 
So listen up to the words from his beat. It's George's book of the week. This week's book is Dixie Before Disney, 100 Years of Roadside Fun by Tim Hollis, published in 1999, and it's 193 pages. Okay, so this is a book that I had for a while, obviously because it was still shrink-wrapped when I picked it up. So I think it was one that my wife ordered. It just showed up. We Min put it condition. I, I shouldn't have broken the seal. Oh, no. Um, but Tim Hollis, I've read some of his stuff. He's a great guy. He's written more than 20 books about tourist destinations and theme parks. And he also co-wrote Mouse Tracks, which is about uh, Walt Disney Records. He wrote that with Greg Airbar, and that was a book that I really enjoyed as You well. reviewed that, right? Yeah, we did review you it. Did, okay, yeah. I read uh, that too, I think. Yeah. So, okay, so Tim obviously has had a love affair with roadside attractions and southern travel. And, and based on the blurb and the cover alone, I was really excited to start this book. Uh, as the cadets know, I have a thing for amusement park history. What? And I know. Go figure. It's like you, you have haunt season. I've got theme park history. Weird. Uh, yep. So uh, anyway, so Tim's book fills some spectacular gaps and led me surprisingly actually into other areas of research. I was kind of good. So the book itself has nine different sections and includes an index and biographical essays of the sources. So sort of like bibliographical essays is what they were. And, and this was kind of neat, so I got to explain it. And they were sort of like Tim sat down and wrote more stories about the sources and how they fit into the book. That's kind of cool. Which was kind of cool. It was a neat way to do it. Gives you more of a historical perspective. Okay, so uh, I love giving a rundown of the chapters because that gives you guys an idea of what's covered in the books. And here's some of the chapters. Stuckey's 10 Miles, Peachy Beaches, Head for the Hills, and yes, that's F-E-R, Head for the Hills, Old Times There Are Not Forgotten, The Nature of Things, and A Tropical Paradise in the West, which is really kind of neat. So the way that, that Tim actually presents the book makes perfect sense and actually follows the growth and changes in the Southern travel industry. And the biggest changes to uh, to the South with a capital S is uh, the interstate systems and other major roads that the government built connecting major points uh, from the North to the South. You know, stuff going through Chattanooga or going through Raleigh, North Carolina or uh, the Appalachian Mountains all the way down to different parts of Florida. So the uh, book looks at the, uh, the development of the roadside attractions themselves restaurants, travel stops, lots of cool stuff. Okay, the book is illustrated with postcards, brochures, photographs, and different publicity pieces. And it's really great to see the images of the attractions and see how the tastes have changed, not only in what's considered entertainment, but what's considered advertising. Uh, there's a great one that I posted on Instagram and Twitter a few, like a week or two ago, where there was a woman at a like garden-type spot, and she was standing in a bush looking beatifically out and i was like what is she doing standing in a bush that makes no sense but we'll move on so uh <laughs> it was like what is what's going on here what's she doing i but thought there was like another punchline coming no, to that no, moment. that all. was literally it, was like, it that was it it's like why is she standing in a bush and why does that make me want to go to this spot that's okay so tim uh 
spends probably physically a lot of time in Florida, but he also does spend a lot of time in the book in Florida and also spends time in Tennessee and North Carolina, as well as Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama, covers a lot of the southern states. He looks at uh, roadside stands, which were some of the earliest attractions for people traveling, and discusses how they grew into larger businesses that still exist today, like Stuckey's. We visit Rock City, because you got to see Rock City, and competing developments that didn't quite make it, and uh, so many caves. There were so many caves mentioned in this book. And another section has us frolicking at various beaches and midways, which would come and go with the tides. And that's one thing I really liked about Tim's book, Dixie Before Disney. He has a great mastery of puns, and they work very well. And halfway you're like, oh, see what you did there, Tim, that was funny. So... Sort of like us. He's a pretty cool guy. Anyway, <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> I know. I was like, how can we throw that in there? So, okay. So Tim covers the strange little amusement parks and areas that were dedicated to fairy tales, tall tales, and legends. And these seem to be kind of short-lived, as were some of the many parks dedicated to the Civil War, which was celebrating an anniversary in the mid-60s. Uh, Rebel Railroad, which we've talked about before and would later become Dollywood, was one park that celebrated the war, as did Fort Cherokee. And they didn't last very long either. And there were tons of hillbilly attractions in the mountains, which also led to the learning a lot of the history of Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge as well. So the last couple chapters look at the amazing number of garden-style attractions, uh, like Silver Springs, and the plethora of Wild West cowboy attractions that, again, like the Civil War attractions, would see their heyday in the 50s and last until the shows went off the air, and then there just wasn't the interest. And Tim spends a lot of time looking at how the state of Florida was affected by most of the changes in travel, and how the, the centerpieces of most of Florida travel were the beaches and the water-type shows. And as you can imagine, most of the state's tourism felt a huge decline with the opening of Walt Disney World. Uh, so overall, I think Tim has written, written a great book that fans of Southern travel are going to love, especially if you have an interest in the development of how different attractions came about based on pop culture. There are plenty of illustrations, and it's obvious that Tim did a great job researching this and visited most of these places, even while they were in existence. So if you love Florida attractions, if you really want to delve into the history of how some amusement parks got their start and what were some of the early competitions for Walt Disney World and other parks, take a look at this book. I think you'll love it. It's Dixie Before Disneyland by Tim Hollis. Here's another minute that you can't get back. It's the 60 Second Review. So for this 60 Second Review, we're going to throw two original Disney Channel movies your way. Um, Teen Beach 2 and The Descendants. Um, now, I'm going to talk about Teen Beach Movie 2, or Teen Beach 2, I'm sorry, because I, <laughs> I quite enjoyed the first one. And I never lot. saw the first one. So. George has not seen it, which he is missing out. So <laughs> this one is reverse of the first movie, where the movie gang gets sucked into the real world, uh, where, you know, in the original it was the opposite. The real world got sucked into the movie itself. Anyway, so it takes three months, takes place three months after the original movie, and Brady and Mac, you know, the two main characters from the original, you know, they're heading in opposite directions, uh, and then Leela and Tanner magically teleport to the real world using the necklace that Mac gave uh, Leela in the first film. And, you know, as both the characters from the film world, they become more modern, the rest of the cast of the film, they begin to disappear. They're being erased. It's almost 
Back to the Future-y kind of in some ways. <laughs> Mixed with that weird Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, The Last Action Hero. Yes, yeah, pretty much. Okay, okay. And then they're trying to figure out like how they get things go back to normal so their friends don't disappear. And but then the problem is that Leela is unhappy with how the way it used to be, and you know she, she doesn't want to say lines that don't actually represent what she feels anymore. And <laughs> listen, guys, it's really deep for a Disney Channel original movie. And to be fair, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I didn't like it as much as the first one, but I did like it a lot. It played into its own cheesiness. You know, it was even better for it. And that twist ending, though, come on, guys. Come on. You guys who've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Um, if you enjoyed the first <laughs> Teen Beach movie, like, you will enjoy this one. Even if you didn't see the first Teen Beach movie, go see the first Teen Beach movie and then see Teen Beach 2 because I'm telling you guys, I am a sucker for this movie. I don't care what George says. I know he's laughing at me. I don't care. <laughs> The downside was that there was no extras on the disc except for, like, the exclusive cast dance rehearsals, which is seven minutes long, and I really didn't care about it that much. If I wanted to watch it, I just would have watched the movie again. And in this initial release, they also have a replica of the friendship necklace from the film, so you can wear that, which I am not wearing right now, but I may in the future. Who knows? I think you, you should for, for D23. D23, I'll be a, a cast member from Teen Beach 2. Whatever. Deal with it. Actually, this will be out after D23, so maybe I did already. Oh, maybe I oh, looked yeah. great. So tell us what you think about Jeff's costume. Yeah, tell me what you thought about my fake Teen Beach 2 costume. <laughs> All you have to do is bleach your hair, right? Pretty much, pretty much, yeah. fall over your eyes or something? Or... Oh, yeah. yeah. Just, you know, slow motion and stuff and talk like really cheesy lines from 50s movies. It's fine. It's fine. So, so if people enjoy the first one, definitely pick up the second one. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, the songs are just as good. Uh, again, the first one is, in my opinion, is better, but I still really like this movie. I probably should not have liked this movie. I really like this movie. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. But you did see The Descendants, or Descendants. Yes, yes, yes. And I think we both have different opinions on this film as well. It was it, it, interesting. Um, we got a bunch of books that came in. Sorry, I'm looking back at the books uh, that Disney sent us that were like Mal's Diary and all this stuff. And I didn't want to even look at it. Yeah, they I'd came in like weeks before the movie did. Yeah, and it was like, what's going on and why is this happening? But um, so it, it sort of showed up and I was kind of excited about it because I, I kind of like the idea behind Descendants, which is basically you get um, all the, uh, let's see, the Beast and Bell are the rulers of, oh gosh, was it Duranda? Dur, Dur, I forget Dur the name Dur of it. Durandell or something like that. I don't know. This magical um, place. Yeah, some 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 executives just got fired because we couldn't remember the name of that place. <laughs> um, <laughs> and all the evil villains are put there, and they're under a force shield, and the Golden Gate Bridge is there, but it's been destroyed. They're on the so, Isle of the Lost, George. Come that's on. right, the Isle of the Lost. That's right. And they can't use any magic there. So you've got all these major villains like Maleficent, the evil queen from Snow White, Jafar, uh, Cruella DeVille was the other one, yeah. And they all have a child. No other spouses, nobody else running around. We, we don't get into the specifics have, of why they have kids, but they have kids, guys. Just let it go. They all have a teenage kid that's about 15 or 16 or 22. Something like uh, that. Something like that. So what, what they've got is a... You've got Mal, who's the daughter of Maleficent. You've got Evie, who's the daughter of the Evil Queen. Uh, Jay, he's the daughter of Jafar, and uh, son of Jafar. And Carlos is the uh, son of Cruella Deville. So you've got some mnemonic devices there to help you with it. But uh, to be fair, all of short, them are rotten yeah. to the core. 
Oh my gosh, stop it. Shut up. Rotten uh, to the core. That was a terrible song. But the, <laughs> so, And they kept saying that line over and over again throughout yes. the entire movie. Yes, rotten to the core. Um, so basically, uh, Beauty and the Beast... Yeah, not Beauty and the Beast, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Bell and the Beast. Bell and the Beast, yeah, yeah, you're right. He's turning 16. He's going to be anointed the king. So I guess his parents get to retire. But his first proclamation is he wants to let four of the underprivileged, poor, evil kids come over and go to school. And Maleficent, the mother, gets wind of this and concocts a plan for the four kids to help them break the magic and set them free. So what did you think about it? I wish the music was a lot better. Okay. And I wish I wasn't five minutes before everything was happening going, and this is going to happen. And this is going to happen. And this is going to happen. It was just too much. If, if I let myself go, I enjoyed it. Okay. Okay. Just fair. For, you know, the acting was kind of cute. They were really pretty good. And you got to see the characters grow over the course of the film. And I really liked the concept. I wanted it to be better, but it seemed a little too trite to me. But I guess it's a Disney Channel movie. And as my wife said, she liked it. This is aimed at 10 to 11-year-olds. <laughs> Perfect age and range. There's... I am not a 10 to 11-year-old physically. Physically, mentally, yes. Mentally. Which is why I enjoyed it. I mean, <laughs> it, it's just as cheesy. I enjoyed it more than Teen Beach 2. Not as much as Teen Beach movie, but I enjoyed wow. it more than Teen Beach 2. And I can't tell if I liked it ironically, maybe. Yeah. I, I really can't tell, but I did enjoy it. I definitely think Disney movie, Channel movies are improving. And Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of camp in this. Yeah. I think it was camp that was on purpose because you've got the sons and daughters of the good kings and queens and prince and princesses, and you get to match up, oh, that's so-and-so's daughter. Yeah, like Mulan so was in it and everything, like, or Mulan's, <laughs> Mulan's daughter. Mulan's daughter was in there. Um, <laughs> plus, what? you know, Kristen Chenoweth, I mean, you can't ever oh, yeah, go wrong with her. Oh, She's amazing. Oh, oh yeah, and um, I can't believe I can't remember her name. She played the evil queen, and I love her in everything that she does, and she was in Hocus Pocus, and... I know who you're talking about, but I forget. I can't remember her name, and the cadets are screaming at us. I'm sorry. But she's always amazing in everything that she does. Yes. Uh, she was in there, but yeah, the, but but Jafar was kind of weird. He was weird, but I mean, again, if you have kids in that age range, and if you enjoyed Teen Beach movie and Teen Beach 2, you'd enjoy it. The I extras it, yeah. are all terrible. Um, <laughs> there's like the emoji retelling of Mal's tail, which is pretty much unwatchable. Um, it, was, it was like watching somebody else's Facebook Yeah, post. I did not like it. I don't understand like, it. What's going on? And my wife was yelling, quit hashtagging everything. So The bloopers were just okay. They had another dance rehearsal thing. That was okay. boring. They had oh, a... That, that stupid preview of Wicked World. Yeah, that was like 15 seconds long that said it's, nothing. It's, it's goofy computer animation. I couldn't even tell if it was the same voices. Whatever. Regardless, I mean, watch it for the film. That's yeah. what I'm going to say. Watch both films yeah. for the films, not the extras. Yeah. I'm going to give I, them both two Jeff thumbs up. When I posted the, uh, an image of the cover of Descendants and people on Instagram were like, oh, okay, yeah, the movie's kind of bad, but Kristen Chenoweth's song was great. Fair enough. And the song she sings with Mal was pretty good. But I, I you know, I enjoyed it. I thought it was okay. I just, I don't I wanted more depth. I don't know why. Uh, well, you're not getting it from a Disney Channel movie, George. Yeah. That Sorry to break sense. it to you. Anyway, check them out. At the very least, it's a rental for both. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. In New Fa Fantasyland, which, by the way, when has it just become Fantasyland? You know, they should just get rid of the new part already. It's been a couple of years. 
But in New Fantasyland at the Fantasyland train station, there is a sign that locates it at Carrollwood Park, which is a reference to Walt's home in California, and he operated the Carrollwood Pacific Railroad in his backyard there. And just to further this connection along just a little bit, there is a clock on the roof of the station that says it is in a fair weather place. And Walt's slogan for his backyard route was fair weather route. So let's kind of kind of cool paying a little homage yeah. to Walt's railroad I love that area of slightly new fantasy land kind of new fantasy land semi new fantasy land mostly new fantasy land we probably need to workshop this as yeah well. we'll think of a new name so for it at some point wow we'll just keep so, calling it new fantasy land but all right, it's, it's that time yes are you ready for that time I this am. week's winner of for <laughs> the year of a million or so limited time cadets now again Email us at CaminoCrowWeekly at gmail.com and give us your name, your address, and your birthday month, and you're automatically entered into our contest, which is, you know, we're slowly ramping down. We're we're getting to the end of Season 5, kind of, but we still have tons of prizes to give away. Um, And this week's prize is a Walt Disney World prize pack from Fairy Godmother Travel, and the winner is Tim Z from Otis, Oregon. Very cool. Congratulations, Yay, Tim. Tim. So when you get your prize pack, take a photo or something like that, and or send us a telegraph. We're okay with that. Telegraphs are cool, too. Yeah, Nobody sends like telegraphs that. anymore. Yeah, it's hard to put a telegraph on Facebook. Dear Marty, <laughs> I've been living these last several months here in 1885. <laughs> Using the Swan Boat DeLorean. <laughs> so, patent pending, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies Boom. So, okay. Um... I don't know where I was going to go with that. But I don't know either. Obviously, nowhere funny. Thank you very much. Okay, so we have made it, guys, to the end of another episode of Communicore Weekly. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Or whatever you do. I don't know. Exactly. I'm so yeah. confused right now. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> however you listen to the show, you know, leave us a comment. Give us a rating on iTunes. We'd love to hear what you think about it. Yep, and email us at communicoreweekly at gmail.com to enter the year of a... Well, was starting what was that, George? There. Wow. A year of a million or so limited time cadets. There, I can say it now. I've been practicing it. Thank you. Or just to say, hey, sup, Corey. Or, you know, tell us what scares you. We want yeah. to know. I would love to know. Like, George, it's everything. Um, <laughs> you can also like us on Facebook.com slash Weekly. Yep. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And catch our periscopes. I'm at Imagine Nerding. He's at Jeff Heimbach. And of course, give us a call on the CaminoCore Weekly Goat Line at 424-785-4628. Visit CaminoCoreWeekly.spreadshirt.com or the website on the Communa Store to get some awesome, awesome t-shirts. And of course, you can always send a self-addressed stamped envelope to us to get your official cadet membership card and some stickers at CaminoCore Weekly, P.O. Box 432, Orange, California, 92856. And visit patreon.com slash weekly and find out how you can help support the greatest online show. For Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening, guys and gals. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. Party on, Waynesville. <laughs>